Facebook famously determined that if a new member invited 10 friends within 14 days, they were hooked for life. So they focused religiously on driving the user experience to this key metric. If you apply this product-based approach to B2B sales, then you can identify those users that are ready to talk. And this method is known as the Product Qualified Lead, or PQL. So if you sell in a freemium, open source, or trial model, then the PQL method is critical to give your sales team visibility into who is ready to talk. So talk to your data team, or better yet, partner with Whaler's team of data scientists to develop a PQL model tailored specifically for your business. You'll be empowered by knowing exactly when a user is ready to convert. To see specific examples, go to getwhaler.com forward slash Andy. That's G-E-T-W-H-A-L-R dot com forward slash Andy. And as a bonus, if you sign up to learn more about Whaler and PQLs, then Whaler will send you their optimized two-page master services contract that you can leverage for your own business free of charge. It's time to accelerate. Hi, this is Andy. Welcome to another edition of Frontline Friday with my regular and very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Now, before we get to the show, Bridget and I have a favor to ask of you. Really appreciate it. If you took time right now to leave a review for this show on iTunes, and while you're there, click the button, subscribe to Accelerate, make sure you get Frontline Friday automatically each week. Also, we need to hear from you. More specifically, we need your sales questions. I mean, what can we answer for you? What challenges do you have that we can help you with? So go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline and enter your question there. Each month, we're going to select one listener's question to be the question of the month. And the winner will receive a $50 Amazon gift card. So remember, go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline to give us your question and maybe win 50 bucks. So Bridget, how are you today? I am doing great. Andy Fantastic. Paul. Wonderful. Did I tell you the, the story about, I can't remember if I have, listeners will have to tell us, because you and I probably can't remember, about... <laughs> about Speak for yourself, but yeah, yeah, you're right. About the use of my name, Andy Paul. Andy Paul? No. So, long, long time ago, when my uh, former wife and I were, were looking to purchase our first house, we were working with a, a realtor, and um, my wife at the time had not taken my last name or had different last name. And so uh, we introduced ourselves to the realtor we're doing, going out and looking at homes for the first time. And uh, so she introduced herself and my ex-wife with her first and last name. And, and I introduced myself to Andy Paul. And as we out throughout the day with the realtor, she would call my former wife, Nancy, by her first name. And she would call me Andy Paul. <laughs> right. Just one name. And she thought it was, it became clear after a while that she thought the Andy Paul was like Jimmy Bob <laughs> or her, you know, one of those right. s- Southern contractions of the two first names. And that is so funny. That's and, classic. And I said, my former wife and I kept looking at each other, sort of smiling because we knew exactly what was going on. And finally, before we parted for the day, I said, yeah, just want to make sure you knew that Paul's my last name. That <laughs> and is. Yeah, she was, she was a little mortified, but not not too much. But uh, oh, it's okay. Yeah. So, my name's very flexible. First name, last name, whatever. So, so how you doing? So Andy Paul. So Andy Paul. So Andy Paul. Andy Paul. So Bridget, how are things? Um, gosh, they're so busy. Yeah. 
And you know what? That's my own problem. I have a really great um, executive consultant who uh, works with us. He's just had a great career in sales. And so I'm really fortunate that that, uh, one of the board members recommended him. We're growing quickly. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't have time to think straight. I certainly don't. And I said something to him. I saw him today about being busy. And he said, it's your own fault. Like that is something within your control. And he's right. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, he's right. I've, 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 you know, where I think time management is something that we're always, you always have to work on, you know, it's never a set and forget. It's always looking at how you can, at least for me, how I better optimize my time, how I do the things that are just the things that are important, delegate when I can be more efficient, a lot of pieces to it. So well, but that's true. I, I see my busy as being a challenge for me to get better. Yeah, it's interesting. It's one of those things that a, that we never seem to perfect. I mean, I've read all the great books about it. I mean, David Allen's yeah. book and had David yes. Allen on the show, Getting Things Done. I love that book. Same. And I use aspects of that. For people who are listening who didn't hear that episode, go back and listen to my show with David Allen. I'll get the episode number for you before we get off the air today. But... um yeah, it's, his book is fabulous book. Uh, Kevin Cruz, K R U S C, who's been on the show a couple times, wrote a well, actually, I guess the second episode's coming up, but wrote a great book a couple years ago about time management, um, sort of the time management secrets of you know highly successful people, which uh, you know sort of took a different approach from David Allen, but you know things I could sort of take from there. But yeah, I find that I was, I was really using Kevin Cruz's system really well till. About four months ago, that thing just went off the rails. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, did I get too busy that I couldn't use that system anymore? I, I, I Yeah, I, I don't know. But I mean, I, I, today, I was this morning, I was sitting down and, and sort of trying to do a little bit of a reset because, yeah, so many things are going on. I was just like, okay, I need to, I need to reprioritize or let's say be more clear about what are the most important things to get done. Yeah. And I think that's really, I think that's really what it is, is, is being able to prioritize. I also have a bad habit of taking projects that are left on the table. So I, I take on things that I shouldn't take on. I pick up things that I shouldn't pick up. And that's, that's my own, that's my own problem. If there's a set of tasks and people don't raise their hand quickly enough to take them, I pick them up. I got to stop. One, one. Are you, are you compulsively neat? Oh, dear Lord. Yes, I definitely <laughs> am. No, I don't know why they I came am. to mind. But. I, I know. No, I am. I am. There was one uh, coach that I had worked with in the past who had said to me, she said, Bridget, you just keep collecting monkeys. And you keep just keep putting the monkeys on your back. So when somebody comes to you and they tell you about a problem, you take they bring their monkey and you take that monkey and you strap it on the, your back. And the, the the person just walks out the door thinking, this is great. I should put that monkey on her back because yeah. you need to be better at helping people solve their own solve their own problems instead of feeling like you need to, you need to be the one that's solving every problem. So I just need to keep reminding myself of that. Yeah. Um, not to be a helicopter manager, much like a helicopter parent. 
Yeah. And it's not even a, it's not even like helicoptering. It's not even swooping in and kind of dipping in and out. But actually that's actually is a good analogy. I mean, it's the same, it's the same at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Just taking on things you shouldn't take on instead of empowering them to do it. Yeah. It's it's hard, right? Because and I think it's it's something that we see more success. I believe, in my mind, and my experience from is sort of the more successful people do because yeah, you know, they can't stand to see something left undone. You know, it's sort of as you said, sort of your compulsive neatness is, is sort of <laughs> related to. I grew up with a mother who was. Uh oh. Comp- I can already tell that my kids comp- are being scarred. Compulsively neat. Um, well, you know it. it my sister inherited that gene, but I didn't. But you missed it. <laughs> yeah, I seem to have Lucky missed it. Lucky you, you missed it. I mean, I like to be neat, but not, not, uh, not, you know, I not used to compulsive. Come, I used, yeah, I used to come home from school, in elementary school, and my, yeah, you come home from school, you know, third grade, whatever, I used to have these little, you know, plastic army men, hundreds of them, you know, I two fake battles with and so on all over my room. And I'd get home and you start running up the stairs, mom goes, well, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to go upstairs to my room. She goes, I just cleaned up there. Don't touch anything. <laughs> I'm like, and I literally would go and sit there at my desk for, for two hours till dinner came around. I was like, afraid to touch anything because she would have killed me if I had. Yeah, so, I can appreciate that, unfortunately. Yeah. I can appreciate that. Yeah. She used to clean after the cleaning woman. That's yeah, how, before and it, after. She probably did you before, clean, yeah, you but she certainly did. She, cert- she certainly did afterwards, and I, I never, even again as a, a young child, I was like, "Why is she?" I turned to my sister, "Why is she doing that?" I know, I know. I think I would really get along with your mom. Yeah, well, unfortunately, she passed away a while ago, but uh, yeah, she she was she was good at that. My sister, I said, my sister got that gene. So, all right. People don't want to hear about household cleaning, I don't think. I doubt it. I'm sure there are podcasts for that. That's just, we're not. Uh, there we're, probably are. It's just not this one. Just not this one. Yeah, I was at, last week, I was at a, one of the large conferences for podcasters. And up in Orange County, or down in Orange County, depending on your perspective, near Disneyland. And yeah, you know, a couple thousand people with the broadest variety of, of podcasts that you could possibly imagine. Yeah, you know, went to several sessions where the guests were people, you know, podcasters themselves were speaking. Excuse me, in a panel or, and uh, yeah, one of the women running a very successful podcast on wedding planning, another one on um, pregnancy. Uh, there are multiple on pregnancy. I think they were there, but huh. but you know, it, any sort of yeah, I don't want to say special interest group, but you know, let's we'll call it a special interest group, not from a political standpoint, but just, you know, in terms of aligned interests. Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. So uh, I'm sure there is one out there on vacuum cleaners and house cleaning. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, I didn't get a chance to, I, I or maybe you didn't answer. I, you didn't say fantastic when I asked you. I said I, fantastic. No, I didn't remember. I, I, you just said busy. No, but before that, I said fantastic. Okay. And then I went into busy. All right. I started with fantastic because at the at the beginning, end of the day, it's it's still fantastic. The just being busy is a very high class problem. So <laughs> it, is I, a, it is a high class I problem. I appreciate that even though I'm busy, 
I, I just, I, I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm engaged. I like it. So it's, it's actually a positive thing and I should stop wah, wah, wah in about it. Okay. Note to self. All right. Well, you haven't had much of that on this, on this episode, at least. Mm, maybe I'll start to add some. Then. Okay. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll get a listener request for more whining from Bridget. Yeah, there you go. Okay. That'd be perfect. So, gosh, several things. We talked about time management a little bit. I have a topic we could talk about forever. Really important. I think for just sort of wrap up that part of it is, even though we hadn't really, you know, thought we were going to talk that much about it is, is do read about it, right? If you're not, if you're not uh, using a certain methodology right now, and let's say you have certain apps you're using, I think it, it for organizing yourself and so on, it's, I think it really helps to read a book or two about time management, have sort of a, you know, understand some principles behind what you're doing and why. Yeah. Uh, because there are differences. And uh, you're going to find one that, that's more aligned with, with who you are. It doesn't mean one is absolutely right, even though we've, and I've raved about a couple of them is, and I, but I, I use bits and pieces of, of several. And so, but I understand why I'm doing it right. When I'm organizing myself, yeah, I'm consciously using certain things from David Allen. I'm consciously using certain things from Kevin Cruz and from some other people. So I think it's really important to have that, that grounding. So go out, pick up some of the books, read them, go to their websites, see what they're writing about it and inform yourself before you just sort of start making to-do lists because you know like kevin cruz talks about you shouldn't be using to-do lists whereas you know david allen yeah there is in a certain form you use them so um yeah find out what works best for you here here all right so uh we had talked a little bit about metrics in sales mm. and everybody has their favorites you know the people run sales teams like yourself have favorites. So do you have some that you've sort of been using and then you sort of wake up one morning and say, huh, this really isn't that useful? I mean, have you sort of evolved how you look at, at the metrics you use, the KPIs you're using and say, sort of much like time management, sort of prioritized those that you think really make sense and make a difference? Um, I think they change. I think one of the things for me is that I measure less. And I, I think originally I thought I had to measure everything, but I really only look now at the ones and pay and, and partly let's get back to this busy uh, theme sure. is I've, I've only got so much time that I, again, I'm not front level managing frontline managing, but I've only, I, I just need a snapshot so I need to see in sort of a big picture, what are the, what are the most important things that are actionable that I can, that, that are going to tell me something that are going to be actionable. So it, when, let's say I look at the various stages of the sales process, there's only usually a couple that are really the cornerstones. And if you get past this stage, then, okay. So for us, it's maybe when a a prospect goes into a, a POC. Mm -hmm. All proof, right. That, proof of concept for a people. A proof that, of concept. Right. So that's going to tell me that's, that's something I want to focus on, on gosh, once they're in there, that tells me this about what my forecast should be. Or 
so I guess, do I have any that I used to measure a lot that I don't? They do change. They change with the t- they they change. So what's the big um, one? What's the big one or two for you right now? Um, well, a big one for me right now that's so top of mind is just looking at the top of the funnel. So the number of let's say MQLs coming in mm-hmm. and what their value is, because that informs. Uh, that that informs who I hire, when I can hire, what my expectations can be. And it's just sort of the start of the process when I, in a team that's growing, just what my expectations uh, should be in terms of who I can bring on and when. So how is that value measured? Is there a dollar value associated with it? Yeah, we'll, we'll put a dollar value against it depending on the segment, like if it's an SMB lead, mid-market lead, enterprise lead. So it's not a value that's that's necessarily coming from the customer. It's just based on their type. This is what we assume it to be for until we get further information from them. Yeah, it's it's so if I take, let's say I get a thousand marketing gives me a thousand MQLs. Nice. And I know. Wouldn't that be? Why aren't you I wish retired? It yeah, I know. I know. Uh, so let's say they give me that. And of that a thousand, that ends up being 10 opportunities, uh, or let's say 10 closed one deals of, let's say $10,000. What was the number I said? Okay. So then 10 of a thousand. So, yeah. So then you would just go and do the math and figure, all right, if I got a thousand, a thousand MQLs, and I ended up getting ten thousand dollars total from that. What's the value then of each of each MQL that comes in? Well, you said you closed. You closed ten deals. Ten I'm just deals. making it easy. Yeah, so it's one percent. Right. At ten thousand a piece. Okay. Correct. And so that's sort of how you just think about doing the math, and then marketing has a number, and I may say, hey, I need. Instead of a thousand MQLs, I need a certain dollar value that I'm looking for you to help generate because I know what it's going to spit out at the end. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of your snapshot. That's what you look at. That's one of the things I look at. And what about your reps? What are it's they? Not the only at? thing. Okay. Well, well they, what's, what's they, your, cer- so, they certainly look at that too. Okay. So what other one do you look at that's important? Um. What other one do I look at? Okay, so that one I look at. I look at conversions. You know what they're able to convert from. Uh, typically, they're pretty good at qualifying, but I do look at that. How many do they qualify? Disqualify? I look at what their conversion rates are. So stage conversion. Stage conversions. Okay. Obviously, I look at the end the the revenue per rep. I look at that. I look how quickly they're able to ramp. And what about the reps themselves? What do they look at? Yeah. Um, well, I know they, they look at very similar things. I try to have one dashboard typically that I look at that, that goes all the way down to the same things they look at so that they always know. What you're they looking al- at. They always know what I'm looking at. They always know what I care about. So I try to make those consistent. So they look at the same things. They look at how many they get, how many they convert, what the average value is. Um, how many POCs they get, 
I mean, they, they look at similar, very similar things. So is there something you think you should be measuring but aren't? Yes. In fact, one of the conversations I had today with this consultant that's helping is measuring um, the potential upside and opportunity per lead that comes in and then also per account. So trying to get a better idea of when I'm looking at prospects how do am I tearing them not only in terms of what their maybe initial mm-hmm. um, opportunity, but what sort of what's the growth potential in this account? And then also just looking at metrics across our customer base at not only um, what their again, what their ARR is in our case, but what is what is the growth potential in these? And we, like the reps know what I can look at an account and say, Oh, there's a lot of potential there, but we haven't, we haven't made that a metric. And so I'm really looking to turn that concept into a metric to help with actually to help me with hiring and planning and budgeting, all those things. But that's one that we're talking about. Okay. So you're trying to formalize how you measure potential account potential. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Well, I mean, for people listening to the show, this is, this is um, we're really curious. I'm Bridget and I were talking about this before we, we started recording today. It's just, well, I sort of endlessly fascinated about what you see as the, you, the people listening to the show, as, as important metrics that you use in managing your business, but also really curious about metrics that you perhaps are using or perhaps being forced to use that you think are, are useless, and because, as Bridget said, you know these these evolve, but it's, it's certainly something that you see that's not uncommon is is people measuring things that really aren't germane to the task at hand. Yeah, it, it's like I, I think it used to be called talk time. Right. Talk time was an important metric. Right. Um, I look at the number of calls. I look at activity, but more is just a checkbox. Where's the checkbox? Are, are we doing, do we have the right activity against a particular lead and really trying to understand what types of activities move the needle? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think number of calls used to be a big one and not so much anymore. It's a number of, of emails maybe you send. Well, there's all these tools now that make it easy. You put them into campaign and you've got off you go. Off you go. Right. So just having to look at that, yeah, they really change. I, I look at um, how many responses are you getting? You know, how effective is what you're what you're sending out there? Because that's often more a sense of how effective mm-hmm. uh, a message is. Are there any that you think of, Andy? Again, you always talk to so many different people. I'm always curious about ones that people talk about that maybe they've used or aren't using used in the past and aren't using yeah well i mean it's it's um you'll have activity metrics that that you said you're no longer tracking talk time so on that i I think are are things that are sort of passe that's sort of one things i'm really um really interested in doing some work exploring is is what are sort of the metrics that that some people consider sort of really useful but 
if you really analyze them, you find out that they're not really helping you with information about anything that's going to help move the needle for you. Um, so, um, one of my concerns is that we've, we've got so much data coming into, into sales these days, into marketing, because of, of the systems we're using, is are we using the right data? to achieve the outcomes that we want to achieve? Or are we sort of stuck in the past or stuck monitoring metrics, as you said, that just don't move the needle? So uh, and part of it just depends on how people use it. I mean, I'd, I'd not to pick on anybody, but yeah, I'd seen a report talking about um, sort of talk-listen ratio in sales. And, and it's like, okay, well, that's sort of an important metric on the face of it. But when you really dig down into it... Um, is it really that that useful? Because you know you have to be able to control the variables based on on type of product you're selling, the size of the the system you're selling, the type of company you're selling to, the gender of the person doing the selling versus the gender of the person doing the buying. I mean, all those things have an influence over it. So yeah, one of the things we're going to try to do is is say, okay, let's let's talk about these metrics and and you know, are they metrics that we can normalize over a, a diverse population? Yeah. The other thing I was thinking as you were talking, Andy, is so when I came to Logs.io, I have a really, I have a great sales ops person who we're trying to get all the data together and the metrics and the dashboards. And I've had him create, recreate dashboards and visualizations and what am I measuring? And I am sure I'm not alone that people have graveyards in Salesforce of dashboards and reports they don't use anymore that they don't they're whatever metrics they're collecting they're not using them anymore and so i was just popped into salesforce to look like there's certain dashboards i look at all the time and there are others i don't look at anymore so again to the point of things that i thought that i wanted to measure if i'm not going and looking them at them it's probably not something that I'm, I'm obviously, it's not that important a metric because I, I don't keep going to that dashboard. <laughs> yeah. And, but I, and I think that's one of the problems with the fact we have so much data is that, yeah. is, and this is one of the, the, the topics. So we're going to explore more on, on the show is, is that, okay, great. You don't look at it anymore, but, and this is not picking on you. It's, it's like, because we all do this, we don't look at that metric anymore, but what if the one that's really important is one that we're just not looking at? Well, that was it was interesting. This um, the one that I mentioned about about uh, categorizing mm -hmm. prospects and also accounts in terms of their upside cross side potential. I think that actually is. I mean, his point to me was that is an important one that you need to be looking at, and you're not looking at it. Sure, but. And this is what gets back to sort of one of the issues that we all have to we all have to, to sort of struggle with when we look at data is that 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 value of or that perception you form of what the potential upside value is is influenced by some number of assumptions you're making about those types of companies or those types of people. And you know, assumptions are dangerous when we when we start dealing with that, right? Maybe, maybe there's assumptions. Maybe there's, maybe there's another way to go at it and get at it. So at Yesware, for example, mm -hmm. we could make 
the tiering may have been a little bit easier because it was based on, it was sold, yes, we're sold per seat for Mm -hmm. sales. Mm -hmm. So if I know that I've got one team of 20 sales reps and a good rule of thumb is 20% of a company's sales, I can sort of predict. So there's some data that I can apply against it so that it's not, it's maybe an assumption, but it's not a totally blind assumption. You well, see? Go back with what you said 20% of sales, 20% sales team, 20% of sales. Explain that to me again. Um, that 20%, if, if, if a company has 1,000 employees, 20% of them will be salespeople. Okay. So I could, I could estimate potential using that, that figure as a guideline. Got it. If you were yes, where are right. So yeah. So I guess my point is sometimes it's not, yeah. So sometimes it's not just gut, you know what I mean? Or yeah, some of it's an assumption, but I think we can sometimes back into some of the data and at least use that as a guidepost to make some decisions or to start to steer us in a direction or to start to form a hypothesis or, and, and I think that's especially to start up when you don't have all the answers, you don't have all the data, you look for guideposts. Yeah. Well, and I think the thing I was adding is, is you just have to, you have to test those assumptions. Yeah. And, uh, conti- uh, and continually do yeah. it because yes, as has been increasingly written about in, in a variety of books um, is, you know, about big data is that, you know, one of the weak points is that, that, you know, the algorithms we create are all based on assumptions that people make, right? So if the assumptions are flawed going into it, then ultimately the algorithm has a flaw in it. So re-examining those assumptions really becomes critical. Uh, so, but yeah, yeah, you start with a certain heuristic, like, you know, rule of thumb that you talked about, you know, 20% of, of you know, companies' employees are, are customer facing or in sales or whatever, and thus, you know, X percent of those are going to need your system. Great place to start. Keep testing it though. And the more you can refine that, then it has more value for you. Yeah. Really, really true. Okay. So we're sort of reached the end of the road, but before we go, we want to ask people, please, you know, if you have, we're curious to learn and we want to talk about this on the show is what are the metrics you use? You know, what are the metrics that are important for you as, let's say, as a sales leader, frontline sales manager, or as a VP? Um, what are the ones you use that you find most useful? And what are the ones perhaps that, that at some point in your career that you were using and you suddenly woke up and said one day, well, well, this is, this is useful. Yeah, I don't need this. <laughs> this right. Is, why, am um, I, why, am I, why am I tracking this one? Right. Why am I wasting my time on this? And send them to me. Yeah, send it to, you can send it to Andy at zerotimeselling.com and um, yeah we'll we'll look at those we'll talk about them because yeah we want to discuss this more and more because we want to shine light on data we make sure that that we're really taking maximum advantage of all this great information we're getting and not just using data as as unfortunately most of us do again has been written about and I interviewed some people on the show about this is that you know we tend to use data to confirm what we are I think to be true Right. When we really need to use as a tool to open our eyes to what we can do differently. Yeah, and that's hard to it's hard that's hard it's to hard. do, but really um it's why it's God, it's good to get it's good to get outside uh like this consultant that I have that helps just somebody on the outside looking in 
and especially somebody who's different, somebody who's different than yourself, has mm-hmm. a different viewpoint, um, I found to be really, really, really helpful. Yeah, which, gosh, whole other episode we can do about, yeah, get outside perspective, outside coaching. Um, that, In fact, we will bring that up as a, a topic in a future show because, yeah, too many people resist bringing in the help they need because they're afraid that their bosses or managers are going to look at them and say, well, why do you need that help? I hired you to do this job. Um, and that's just not a rational way to look at it. So yeah. everybody needs coaching. Everybody needs assistance. So, okay. Bridget. Andy Paul. And Andy Paul. Andy Paul. <laughs> Jimmy John. Andy Paul. Andy Paul Paul. It has, uh, that's happened too. So um, as always, it's been an incredible pleasure to have you uh, join me today so we can have this conversation. Friends. Great to have you join us. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend a half hour with us. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you next week. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. Bye.